0: Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Open up your Bibles to the book of Revelations once again the book of Revelations, chapter 2, I was planning on, as we're doing the seven churches of Revelations, I was planning on going to the fourth church this week, but when we came in and we were filming our television program on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, I began to share some of the things that I had not yet shared on the church of Pergamos. And as I was talking to the guys and the gals back here, I said, you know, maybe I'll just do a 20 minute teaching, a discipleship class, dismiss everybody at the end. And I began to share some of the things that God showed me. And everybody said, pastor, you've got to share this with everybody. And so I am a nightmare for people who are trying to put the products together you know, so many tapes in the first set, so many tapes, I'm in a nightmare, but I'm going to show you something today, and at the end, I want to release this anointing on all of us, and I want to show you something that is always important, but this is an end time anointing that has great importance. So read with me, the Church of Pergamos, Revelations chapter 2 starting with verse 12. And to the angel of the church of Pergamus, write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and do not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Now, we've already gone over this. This is a tremendously evil place, right? But I have a few things against you because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Now, we already talked about Balaam, the spirit of Balaam. Balaam is, in a nutshell, a man who was anointed, who was gifted by God, and he took that anointing and he sold it out for personal gain. Now, understand that this is talking to church leaders and say, don't take the anointing and use it to fleece the flock. Take that anointing and use it to feed the flock. Amen. So even though this is to church leaders, but it's also a message to church members that we're not to take the gifts that God has given us and use it. In an unrighteous way. Okay, the other, the other, the doctrine of Nicolaitans is a hyper grace doctrine. We all know that we're saved by grace. But once we're saved by grace, go and sin no more. I need a better amen. amen. Because this is amazing. Never thought in my lifetime I would be hearing from pulpits what I'm hearing today that you don't have to follow any of the Ten Commandments. As a matter of fact, some of my friends who are tremendous preachers will actually say, if you try to live according to any of the laws of God, then you're negating the grace of Christ. We are saved by grace. Let me say I have an amen. amen. But once we're saved, we are to follow. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? Amen. So it's amazing that these things that the Lord gave in the first church, we're seeing reappear in the days of the last church. Now look at verse 17. I do have to get a new Bible. I've written in my Bible so much. Verse 17 says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the scriptures, what the spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some some of the hidden manna to eat. And I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Now, this is the part that at first I thought it's too deep to teach publicly. I'll just share it with a few people. Then I met with the guys and the gals in the back, and I said, maybe we'll just do a discipleship class at the end. And everybody said, Pastor, you got to teach this publicly. So what I'm going to teach is really an amazing end-time prophetic message to all of us. But here's the amazing thing. How many times do we hear where the Lord says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, I think about if we go to the book of Matthew and Jesus is talking about the seed and the soil. Some seed fell on good soil. Some seed fell. Remember that? And he he gives us uh, the understanding that the seed is the word of God. The soil is you and I. And so some soil is thorny soil, some soil is rocky soil, but some soil is good soil. And he says, if my word falls on you and you decide to be good soil, then I'll multiply what I've taught you 30, 60, 100 fold. If you remember, his disciples came to him and said, Lord, um, why do you talk like that? Why don't you just say it outward? Why do you speak in parables? And the Lord said, because it's not for them to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. And he goes on to say, if we have ears to hear and eyes to see, he will reveal to us mysteries that have been hidden Since creation. Right? Isn't that neat? He goes on to say. There are mysteries. That the closer we get. To his second coming. The eyes of the Gentiles will be open. And these mysteries. Will be revealed to us. In ancient Hebrew, there's no word for what? Right, no word for coincidence. Let me give you another one. You know, Derek and all of us were talking in the back, and Derek said to me, he said, Pastor, you don't share with us everything you found out, do you? And I said, nope, not yet. But I'll share another one with you. You ready? In ancient Hebrew, there's no word for obedience. That's why Jesus said, Why call me Lord and don't do the things which I say? There's no word for it. He didn't say, why, don't you, why do you call me Lord and not obey me? In Hebrew, there's no, ancient Hebrew, there's no word for obedience. And it goes on to say, if you hear it, you'll do it. There's many who have ears, but they don't hear. They have eyes, but they don't see. If you hear it, if you hear it, then you'll obey it. You can hear the word you can hear the words, a tenth is the Lord's. But how many people hear it but they don't obey? They, rabbinical teaching is you never heard it. You heard the words, but you didn't hear it. You didn't see it. Right? We're talking in the back. How many times does the Bible say there is life and death in your tongue? Your tongue creates if you say negative things as truly as I live. That which you have spoken in as true as I am the beginning and the end. I am the alpha and the omega as true as there's none before me. There's none out of it. This is just as true. Every word you speak creates. I guess we're going to lose our job. As truly as I live. Do you get it? You hear it. But only when you obey have you really heard. And that's true for everything that's written in the word of God. And this is why the Lord says here in the church of Pergamos once again. If you overcome. Let them who have ears to hear. And eyes to see. Let them understand that I have something of a mystery in the last days to reveal to them. Now, the first thing that he says here is that I will give to you the hidden manna. I debate in how much I want to go into this, but I think it's essential that we understand. Here is manna that's hidden until the book of Revelations begins to be revealed. What is manna? We all know what manna is. Manna is uh, Israel was coming out of captivity of Egypt. They're on the way to the promised land. And one month after they leave Egypt, they run out of food. Just one month. You know, when you first look at that, you think, man, God was a bad planner. (laughs) But understand It was only a six day journey to the promised land. You know, we, we say all the time, I don't know if we've talked about this. We talked about it on the television program this last week. Israel was not lost for 40 years. They weren't lost. You can't be lost. A blind man can't be lost. If you ever been there, you come out of Egypt. When you come out of Egypt, there's the Red Sea. Okay. Now they didn't even have to cross the Red Sea. They should have got to the Red Sea, gone left, one step over. They're in Israel. You go, you got the Red Sea here, you got the Dead Sea here, you got the Jordan Mountains here, you got the Israeli mountains there. You can't get lost. As a matter of fact, just a few days after they left Egypt, they were at the River Jordan. Remember the 12 spies? The 12 spies looked in and they go, man, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Two of them went in. Brought back giant watermelon-sized grapes. They were there. And I wonder how many times are we this close? We're so close. We're right there. But they came back and said, there's giants in the land. God never said there weren't any giants. He said, I'm going to get you out of Egypt. I'm going to part the sea. I'm going to take you to the promised land. But they came back murmuring. And this is where th- this one scripture, guys, changed my life. They came back and said, We're going to die. How many spies went in? 12. 12 spies. How many came back negative? 10. Joshua and Caleb came back and said, Yeah, there's John. We can take the land. Now, God's no respecter of persons, right? Two of them came back and said, What a mighty God we serve. My God is in charge. Washington is not in charge. Wall Street's not in charge. COVID 19's not in charge. My God is in charge. Right? Kedham came back and said, We're going to die. And what was God's response? How long do I put up with this evil congregation that murmurs against me? See, and that's what, when we're we're speaking negative, that's what we're doing. We're speaking against the promises of God. And then he said, and this scripture changed my life so many years ago. I mean, literally changed my life. God says, as truly as I'm alive. There's not a more true statement in all the world than God lives. We're going to see that today. He says, I am the first and I'm the last. There's nothing before me, nothing after me. Just as true as I'm alive, this is that true. That which you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. When you speak it, you create it. So let's speak positive things, right? So here they are. So and and that's the reason I bring that up is it wasn't they they had enough food. It wasn't going to take a month a month they run out of food they come to Moses complaining and so we know the story God brings quail and they eat quail but then he brings manna manna now the word manna is the word it's actually comes from an egyptian word uh man and this this food from heaven falls and they Didn't know what it was. The word man in Egyptian means two things. It means what? This food, they go, what is this? And it also means something important. So when they looked at it, they said, what? But they also said, we don't know what it is, but they knew it was important. Now, they didn't know yet that it was going to fall every day, three, you know, every morning. And, and so they, they, God told them to go out every day and collect this manna. Now, without getting into too much detail, this is, and it's very important that you understand this, this is bread of heaven, not bread of earth. This is bread of heaven. God says, go out every morning and collect this bread of heaven. Now, the reason I emphasize this is ancient Jewish wisdom says there was nothing in that bread that was a waste to the human body. Everything in that bread was supercharged with nutrition for their journey. You know, when you go on a diet, what's one of the first things they tell you to stop eating? Bread which we know comes from the devil. <laughs> bread and butter. I'm, I was raised, he had a loaf of bread on the table, butter and ketchup. <laughs> this bread of heaven had nothing in it that didn't bring supernatural charging to the human body. I don't mean to be gross, But a lot of people say, where did a million people go to the restroom? There was very little of any waste. Everything sustained them for this amazing journey to the promised land. There are three levels of the manna. There was those who were righteous, those who were living for God, and they would get up. And the manna would be right outside their tent. Now they still had to go outside their tent and get it, but it was right outside their tent. And the manna for the righteous was already in bread form. That's why on Shabbat you say Baruch Katadun Melkarlum Hamutsi Lakemen Haretz. Blessed art thou Lord God who gives us commands and commands us concerning bread from the ground. In other words, they didn't have to plow it or grind it or knead it or whatever you do with bread. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making that up. Uh, they didn't have to do anything. It was already in eating farm, and it was easy to reach. Now, this is important that we understand this for where we're going in a little bit later. Those who were kind of lukewarm, they had to go out a little bit further from their tent, they had to get it, but it was in dough farm, but they still had to do whatever you do with dough and bake it and make it and everything. And those who weren't serving God, the unrighteous, the Hebrew, the English word would be um, uh, wicked. The English word, I guess, would be wicked, not, not really wicked. They would have to go out quite a ways, and it was in grain farm, and so they would have to... Um grind it, and do everything to make their bread, and so the more righteous you were, the easier it was in God bringing you bread now that 's that 's symbolic for us today god doesn 't want us to to have to work by the sweat of our brow he 's broke that curse. So that as we're serving God and we're obeying him, he makes our livelihood easier and easier. Doesn't mean we don't have to work. It's just not that terrible labor. Do you understand? When the, when the manna was getting ready to come, God would bring a north wind and it would cleanse the in front of the righteous. It would cleanse the dirt and the sand away. And God would drop dew on the ground. Then He would send rain, and it would cleanse that manna free of any impurities. And then He would bring dew back on top of it. That's why on Shabbat we have a bottom cover for challah, and we have a, a top cover for challah. It's it's God not just providing, but God. What does God say in Malachi? I will I will get involved, and I'll rebuke the devourer from your life. You know, you're out there working, and the devil comes and steals half of what you got. I'll get involved, and I will rebuke the devourer. I'll not only open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, but I'll get involved, and I'll make the devil get his hands off of your stuff. Right? And the manna, as you know, the manna would taste like whatever they wanted it to taste like for 40 years. You know, they would... uh um for adults it would it would be adult food for children it would be children food for babies it would be like baby food and so this was a supernatural bread from heaven that supernaturally sustained them on their journey when god says here and, and, God speaks to, I won't get it, well, all right, I'll just give you a taste of this. I'll just give you a taste of this. God speaks to Moses, and he tells Moses, go and take some of the manna. Moses speaks to Aaron, and they take some of that manna, and they put it in a jug, a jar, and they put it in the Ark of the Covenant with the broken, uh, with the broken, ta- uh, Ten Commandments with the broken two tablets and they set it aside. Many people, just a side note, many people say that when I think it was King Josiah, if I remember correctly, when he saw that they were going to come and destroy the temple, he took the manna, the manna and dug it and, and the broken parts of the Ten Commandments and dug a tunnel way below the Temple mound that has not been found yet. This is history, historical sayings, and it's there. And sometime right before the coming of the Messiah, those hidden tablets, those broken tablets, proving the Ten Commandments came from God and the hidden manna, which will still be fresh will be revealed showing that that is the temple of God. Amen. So when God says here, if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, I'll give you the hidden manna. What's he talking about? Well, if you remember when Jesus is ministering, now this hidden manna, what I'm about to show you, man, my body's vibrating. I can't wait to get into this. The hidden manna that I'm about to show you is directly linked to what follows, and that's the white stone. So let's go there. The hidden manna is revealed to us, or hinted to us, in the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And Jesus is meeting this woman, and he's talking to her, and he reveals Everything about her life. Remember? And she goes, Oh, well, wait a minute. We know that when the Messiah comes, he'll be able to do that. And Jesus says, I'm he. What did that woman do? She ran. Now, with well, this is what I'm telling you, she ran into her city and said, Come and meet somebody who can tell you everything. Come and meet somebody that knows everything. He knew, knows everything. Come and meet him. This man has unbelievable wisdom and knowledge. He told me everything. Everything. All of a sudden, the disciples come, right? And they're bringing food. And they said, Master, eat. And he said, not hungry. And they turned to each other, still being young disciples, saying, did somebody already feed him? What was Jesus' response? I have meat to eat, manna, that you don't know yet. I have meat to eat you know not of. Manna, in ancient Jewish wisdom, is two things the hidden manna for the last days. Number one, it is divine energy. Remember, manna manna in the wilderness had no waste in it. It had no substance that was not giving them a supernatural energy to go through the desert, this journey to get to the promised land. It is divine energy. But along with that divine energy... The manna would give them divine knowledge and divine wisdom. So let's look at this. We're on our journey. We're in the last of the last days right now as we're speaking right now. And God will give us divine energy, supernatural energy that isn't just to get through life but supernatural energy to change the world. Now, I believe what we're about to see here is directly linked in many different areas, but it includes the promise of signs and wonders and miracles. Come meet a man that knows everything. I have meat to eat. What did Jesus say? He said, there are things that I can't tell you yet for the last days. So he says, I'll give you hidden manna. This is divine energy and hidden knowledge, the mysteries of the kingdom. And then he says, I'll give you a white stone with a new name, a new name written on it that only those who receive it will understand. Now, when I went to... <laughs> When I went to the website and wanted to see what everybody said about the white stone, every Christian website basically said the same thing. They said sometimes in the Greek and Roman culture, they would have races or they would have wrestling matches or they would have some kind of competition and if you won, then sometimes they would give you a white stone and uh, uh, there would be a banquet for the important people after the competition. And if you came to the banquet and you had a white stone, then you get entrance into the banquet. And this is Jesus and the wedding supper of the Lamb. It sounds great. It sounds good. But Jesus never said that. He didn't say anything about a white stone. He said we need to have white robes. But he didn't say anything about a white stone. And if there's a new name that's only known to the one who it's given, if they wrote your new name, and God does give us a new name through Jesus, but if you gave them the white stone, then they would know your new name too. Right. So what does it mean? So once again, seeing how this is Jesus, a Jewish rabbi giving a vision to John who understands things that we don't necessarily understand. I I obviously would go to the wisdom of ancient Jewish writings and find out what the white stone has to do with the coming of the Messiah. If you can pull up the picture of the breastplate of the high priest. God told Moses how Aaron was to dress, specifically to dress. And the main part of everything the high priest wore was the breastplate. Of righteousness in the breastplate there are how many stones 12 representing what 12 tribes of Israel okay if you look at these 12 stones on the back of each stone is the name of the son of Israel that represents that tribe now let me show you something Derek could you come up and help me on something here One of the things that the priest would do, let's say that this is the Holy of Holies, and Derek is the high priest. He would have the breastplate on him there, and only once a year was he allowed to go into the Holy of Holies in the presence of God. But what a lot of people don't understand is that the high priest had a special supernatural connection to the voice of God that came from the breastplate. And so when someone was in need, they would come to the high priest and the high priest would be facing the Holy of Holies and this person with the need would whisper. So only the high priest could hear. He would whisper what his need was. The high priest would Pray this to God, and when God answered, whichever stone was bringing the answer, because each stone represents something different, that stone would illuminate. It was supernatural. Thanks, Derek. So if we look at these, every one of these stones represents one of the 12 tribes of Israel. But every one of these stones also represents one of the sons. When God says, I will give you who overcomes, number one, the white stone. This is the white stone. Now, if you do a study on the white stone in the breastplate, that would bring us supernatural answers. If you look at that, that white stone represents Jacob and Leah's son, Zebulon. Zebulon was their sixth son born and God gifted Zebulon with a very special anointing to do business. Now remember in the last days, there'll be signs, wonders and miracles, but there'll also be what? End time. Say it. Transfer of wealth. Now I want you to listen to this prophecy. Ancient Jewish wisdom asked these questions. Said, how well did Jacob and Zebulon get along? Because Jacob was known as a man of the Torah. A man of God. A man who studied the word of God. Zebulon gifted by God, was tremendously successful. And I won't get into all the scriptures. He, he had ships coming and going. I mean, this guy was new business. Here's an interesting thing. And, and I'll say it in, in a way I would say it from South St. Louis. Ancient Jewish wisdom says, is, if all you are is spiritual... If all you are is spiritual and you don't have any street smarts, Come on. Come on. when the devil comes, yeah. he'll beat you to a pulp. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Let me say it again. Yeah. If you don't have any business smarts, you don't have any street smarts, if all you are, you, uh, th- that's, why, that's why the, the ancient uh, prophets and the rabbis were, they, they, they were horrified that you would lock yourself away and just study Torah. Now that sounds almost contrary. But he said, You gotta know how the world functions. So you look at you look at Jacob, who was a phenomenal Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the pillars of faith, and you look at Zebulon, who was anointed by God, a supernatural wisdom of God. To do business. Let me say it again. He will lead you and guide you and teach you and show you things to come. Not just out of the Bible, but in the business world. What do we buy? What do we sell? What do we invest in? How do I do this? How do I do that? Now you think about how can these two spirituality and how can business be together? Read the very first thing that Jesus showed John in the vision. I have anointed you to be kings to do business and I have anointed you to do priests. There is an anointing in the last days that will bring about signs and wonders and visions and prophecies. But there's also an anointing that goes right along with that. And that is the anointing to gather the wealth of the world and use it not to be influenced by the world, but for us to influence the world. That takes kingdom and that takes priesthood. Somebody ought to say amen that's why the lord says do not forget it is me who gives you power lift up your hands lift up your hands power in your hands to barely get by to gain what ancient jewish wisdom says you are forbidden by god to not desire affluence You're forbidden by God. I have a certain anointing. John has a certain anointing. You have a certain anointing. We are all anointed by God to be kings and priests. It's not either the priesthood or it's not either the business world. They must be married together. That's why when Israel came out of Egypt, they went out on the greatest spiritual journey to receive the word of God, the Bible, but they started that journey with the end time transfer of wealth of the wealth of the Egyptians into their hands because business and spirituality are always going to be synonymous and go hand to hand. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord a clap offering. One last thing, I have 10 minutes. He says, I will give you a new name that only them who receive it will understand it. Now, so many times we think that God is saying, Larry, I'm going to give you a new name. And, and we know that happens with Jesus. I'm not the drug addict I used to be. I'm now a child of God. But here we have to connect this to the white stone. When the Lord says, I will give you a new name, he's saying, I will give to you the secret name of God. I'll give it to you. Ancient Jewish wisdom says that before the coming of the Messiah, God will reveal himself to certain people In a very personal, face-to-face way. But the only way you can enter into that is he gives you his secret name. Okay? You ready? In Judaism, they'll never even say the name of God. And the reason is, is one is, well, are we worthy to say God's name? But the other part is we don't really know what God's name is. Now, we read in our Bible where it says Lord or it says Master or it says uh, God or whatever. But if you remember when Moses speaks to the Lord in the burning bush and he says, who are you? And our English says, God says, I am who I will be. In Hebrew, that's the word Yahweh, Yahweh. But in Hebrew there are no vowels and so we pronounce it Yahweh just so we have something to say but ancient Jewish wisdom says it probably wasn't even a name as much as it was a sound you take the vowels out of it and you get Yahweh. you get the breath of God If you say it without any vows, and you're not allowed to say it moving your lips, it comes out the breath. But in the last days, he said, I'll give you a divine anointing to be a king and a priest. I'll give you hidden manna, which is unwasted energy and supernatural wisdom. Can I reveal to you what may be God's name? In the book of Isaiah, he says, here's who I am. I'm the first, and I'm the last. Right? That's what he says in, in, in Isaiah. I am the first, and I am the last. If you take the word first in in Hebrew the word first off starts with a yod and a yod means the presence of God the word last also starts with a yod which means the presence of God but the word first in Hebrew is the word chuma. Chuma is Remember in the book of Genesis where God removed man from the garden and he put man out of the garden? Do you remember that? Does anybody remember what God is showing us if we have knowledge, if we have eyes to see? When he repeats something twice, what's God showing us? There's a secret. He said he put him out and he removed him out. Now, what that means in, in Judaism is that he physically removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden, where everything they put their hands to, it blossomed, it grew, it was in abundance. He physically put them out, but when he says he put them out the second time, it means he divorced himself from all mankind of being Jehovah-Jireh. Yeah. But in the last days, there's going to be an end-time transfer of wealth, yeah. Right? And it says that he put an angel at the gates of paradise. That's the word. We use the word garden, but in Hebrew, it's paradise. He put an angel at the gates of paradise with a flaming sword, not to keep us out of it. That's what we always heard, to keep us out. You can't come in. No, it's when we wake up, he's going to go. It's in here. Now, this is not heaven. This is In paradise, having paradise with Adam and Eve was an uninhibited relationship with God. Everything they put their hands to that caused a process until they blew it. But there's gonna come a time when we're going out, that glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle. We're gonna go out. The kingdom of heaven is gonna be manifested on earth. It's called back into paradise. All right? So when God says, I am the first with the yod the presence of god it's chuma and the word chuma in judaism there is the 10 attributes of god 10 spirits of god 10 personalities of god we call it the holy spirit who knows everything who will show us everything who will get us in everything right he'll lead lord lord where do i invest today where do I? Where, God, tell me what to do. Like Tiz said on our television program, every morning we get up every morning, her and I get up for 45 years and we say, God, what are you doing today? And show me what our part is in it. Lead us, guide us, teach us. So that is called those 10 spirits of God. Those 10 anointings of God are called in Judaism, the tree of life. And in the last days, the Holy Spirit will lead us back into all of this. So when God says to you and I, listen to this, he said, I am the first and the last. The word first, the presence of God, is chumah, which means divine wisdom and divine understanding. The word last is the word melchot, which means A state of being exalted with divine humility. So when God says, I'm going to give you a new stone, I'm going to give you a white stone that will show you how to do business, how to be part of the end time transfer wealth, but I'm also going to give you divine wisdom. I'm going to give you so much wisdom that it will exalt you and all the world is going to look at you and call you blessed. But, but there will be humility that comes along with it. I believe right now we have been in a valley without the supernatural for the last 10, 12 years, because I think a lot of us When we first started seeing the moving of the gifts of the Spirit and the signs and the wonders, it became about how many people we could get to fall down and pile up and, and, and it became about us instead of about him and so we've gone through just like Israel did we've gone through that generation and now we're coming on the other side and God said I'm going to reveal to you the secret name of God that will lift you up into my presence and when you're in my presence I will reveal to you mysteries since the foundation of the earth mysteries of spiritual significance uh, mysteries of prophecy words of wisdom word of knowledge mysteries in business all of a sudden people are going to say why are you so blessed how did you know to invest there how did you know to buy that how did you get that idea for that witty invention because in the last days god will reveal to us that he is the first and the last he is the one who gives us divine understanding divine wisdom we'll look at people and know things we'll see things and know things will understand things that no one has understood until this last day and the tendency that the more supernatural movement financially and spiritually, God will lift us up he will literally exalt you, but you'll be exalted and it says that it'll actually you'll actually not even have to think about giving him all the praise and all the glory. Now watch this, one last thing. These two things together is the Hebrew word for Shekinah glory. These two things is the same word for Shekinah. What does Shekinah mean? Dwelling, living in divine presence. I believe that's where we're headed. I believe in all my heart there is a new anointing. We're going to have to give him all the praise and all the glory. He will give us an anointing, Zebulon anointing, Jacob's anointing to understand spiritual things, but Zebulon's anointing to understand business. And on the bottom of that stone is the secret name of God. Could we understand now that the secret name of God is divine wisdom, divine comprehension? I believe there are people who are doctors, Christian and Jewish doctors, that all of a sudden they'll, they'll that's how we cure cancer. This is how we stop cancer. You'll be at work and you'll see something on at work and you go, well, this is how we can do this. You'll be driving down the road and the Holy Spirit will say, buy that. And you don't even know they're about, that it's about to go up ten times in price. Now we've all seen taste of this. But remember, these two words mean Shekinah, dwelling in divine presence. Folks, I believe we're there. I believe this is the birthing of this. And this is why God has shown us that we got to have eyes to see and ears to hear. If you would like for us to come in agreement, for this divine anointing. Stand with me all over the building. This divine end time anointing. You know, the scripture says, the Lord spoke and he said, I met with Abraham, I met with Isaac, I met with Jacob. But I never told him my name. Think about that the pillars of faith abraham isaac and jacob i met with them face to face as friends but i never told them my faith my name in ancient jewish wisdom says this will be the beginning of the messianic period preparation for the messiah is god will reveal his hidden name and i believe his hidden name is us understanding he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is divine wisdom, divine, divine comprehension. It's a taste of it. Walking in, and I look at Margaret, and I see Margaret with the anointing of God on her and God's feet. I didn't, I didn't share it with her. But think about that exploding, where every time you look at someone, you're gonna say, "You know what? This is happening. This is happening. This is happening." Here's what God's going to do. Here's what God's going to do for your family. Here's what God's going to do. We need prophecy. We need word of wisdom, word of knowledge. We need that back. I'm here today. Not a drug act anymore. Yes, Jesus saved me. But word of wisdom, word of knowledge called me out. Five days in a row, and gave me exact words that, how's this guy know this? It's time again. We need an anointing to do business, divine comprehension, and we need divine energy. You know what I feel like that means to me? I mean, I got a lot of energy. I'm, I, I could use some more energy, but I got a lot of energy. You know what I mean, think that means to me? No more wasted moments. No more no more wasted time no more no more time fighting with the devil over this and fighting we're just in div- like the, the hidden manna it had nothing nothing was wasted everything went to strengthening them for their journey i 'm believing for divine energy on every one of us before we pray, I have two minutes I like to have every head bowed every eye closed. this journey begins by receiving jesus christ as your lord and savior look at me a second i'm gonna say this i was i was listening to dr david jeremiah on the on uh television this morning the cowboy channel and he said a huge amount of christians cannot tell you the day they became christians Do you know the exact moment people say, you know, and he said this, he said, people say, well, I've been a Christian all my life. No, you haven't. There was one day I was a child of Satan. The next day I was a child of God. I know exactly when I was born again. I know when I was born. I know when I was born. It's not like, oh, I was always born. No, no. One day you weren't, then you were the same thing. You're not a Christian because your parents were a Christian or because you got water baptized or because you went to church or because you're born in America. There's a day that you are born again, the second birth. And if you don't know that exact moment that you receive Christ as your savior, then you need to do it right now today. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around you're here today and say pastor i want to be born again i want jesus to begin this journey with me i want to receive him as my lord and savior on this day you'll remember this day i want you to slip your hand up and hold them there where i can see him i see that hand just keep it the whole time please that hand 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 god bless you that hand god bless you that hand god bless you that that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand. God bless you. That hand. God bless you. That hand, that hand, that hand, that hand. Anybody else? And that hand in the back. That hand way in the back. That hand. That hand way in the back. That hand way in the back. God bless you. Give them a great big clap offering. All right. What's the date today? February sixth, twenty twenty two. You will be born again. This forever will be your day. And you can remember it because it's two days before Tiz's 35th birthday. Tuesday, right? Tuesday. Let's say this out loud. Everybody, keep your eyes open. We don't have to close our eyes. Lift your hands up before the Lord. Say this out loud. Father... I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You sent Jesus Christ to pay the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now look at me. Let me let me speak a prayer over. Lift your hands as if we were we were holding hands. As soon as I started studying this, God said, "I'm going to do something special. I'm going to release. I want to release, and it's not me. I'm just a, a, a voice for the Lord. I want to release that hidden manna. No more wasted efforts. No more. No, I, I I believe. I believe that that." this next year we're going to be walking in victory we're going to be we're going to be getting through that desert as fast as we can even imagine and that there will be divine energy now look at me that divine energy i believe is not only just to do what we're called to do but that is also and i didn't i didn't have time to teach all that that divine energy i believe is for the gifts of the spirit We need word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of prophecy, prophets, prophetesses. We need leaders being raised up, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I believe that divine energy is to do what God has called us to do. Before you were ever born, you stood. The moment you were about to be conceived, you stood before the throne of God. And he has given you and I, each one of us, an individual mission to be kings and priests. I believe my special mission is the priesthood. Many of your special mission is the kingdom, its business. But whatever it is, divine energy, not to waste time, not to make bad decisions, not to to be fighting the devil, but to be walking to the promised land. Amen. The other one is an anointing for supernatural wisdom. And supernatural understanding. Supernatural understanding. It's one thing to have the word of wisdom. Word of it's Another thing to know what to do now. Supernatural. Confusion does not come from God. Right? To the point that God begins to exalt you. And as he exalts you in the business world, and you have a voice, remember what we taught last week, that exaltation is for us to influence the world, not the world to influence us. We will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will not do business the way the world does business. We will do business the way God says to do business, and we will give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen? Come in agreement with me. Father, right now, I rel- uh, we receive, Father, that end time divine anointing. Father, we receive that divine hidden manna that gives us the energy, that gives us no wasted moments, no wasted energy, no wasted movements, that we are rapidly on our way to the promised land. And Father, I release... And we receive that divine knowledge, that divine comprehension that is beyond anything that we can imagine. And Father, we know that is only in humility. And so even as we begin, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. i want to tell you one thing. I'm four minutes over. I'm going to tell you this anyway. I wasn't going to do this, but... It just... Years and years ago when I was a young Christian, something popped into my mind while I was praying. I was praying eight hours. And God gave me these two prophecies, and he said, now go tell your pastor. And then he said, now open your eyes. I want to talk to you face to face. And I opened my eyes... I mean, I I can't explain. It was supernatural. And I opened my eyes, and he wasn't there. And I thought, Lord, I I just imagine these things. And the Lord spoke, and he said, pray and wait. Prepare yourself. I will speak to you face to face. That was 1976. Back in those days, we had prayer meetings. We were in Flagstaff, Arizona. We had prayer meetings every morning at 6.30 at the church. And God keeps telling me, tell your pastor what I showed you. And they were not light things. They were exact things. And I go, I can't. You know, I didn't. the Lord didn't show himself. I, I was, you know, I'd done a lot of drugs before I knew Jesus. And, you know, it must be a flashback or something. I'm serious. I'm serious. And all of a sudden, I feel somebody kneeling down next to me. And I turned, and it was my pastor. He goes, Larry, is there something you're supposed to tell me? And I said, well, pastor, I said, God told me that he's speaking to you about knocking the walls out of the church. He never mentioned anybody. And I said, he told me to tell you, go ahead and knock them out. He'll make the way. And 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 then I said, and then we were doing a lot of street evangelism those days and hippies and stuff. And every time we go down, they'd arrest us. I was in jail wearing a Santa Claus costume. (laughs) I've been arrested more times for preaching the gospel than I have been for selling drugs. That's a fact. That's a fact. And uh, and, uh, every time we go down, this real wealthy family would have us arrested. And I said, God spoke, God told me to tell you that don't worry about being arrested. He's got someone who, who's got our back. The next Saturday we went down, we started to preach. Boom, they were waiting for us. We're, you know, back in the hippie day, they're waiting for us. They start putting handcuffs. And all of a sudden, one of the most powerful families in all of Arizona and a lawyer walks up to the police that are arresting us and says, you touch these people. And we'll sue you so deeply, we'll own this city. And he was a Mormon. He was a Mormon. And back, totally backed us up. And, and so I said, told my pastor when I, you know, before I said, this is what God told me. Then he said, open your eyes. I want to see you face to face. And I said, pastor, he wasn't there. And I, and I was in this state for eight hours. And he said, Larry, prepare yourself because when it's time I really do believe you'll speak to him face to face when I was reading this and discovering this the white stone the hidden name and when we understand his name we have access not to the high priest into the holy holies but we can go boldly in As we have never gone before and the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us. I think supernatural things are about to happen and we will give you all the praise and all the glory. Do you receive that? Give the Lord a clap offering one more time. Father, bless us in this week. Father, bless us as we prepare. Don't forget the uh, baptism, the hand washing in the lobby. Don't forget the leadership meeting uh with pastor wanderson and don't forget to prepare yourself really do this to bring somebody out for for marvin he is an amazing man of god business he's both he's exactly what we're teaching right now he's the j he's jacob and he's zebulon your best is yet to come god love you give somebody a high five before you go god bless